You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Now, ladies and gentlemen, having not shaved in, what, uh, Christmas time, I think, was the last no, time no, his face that, saw a razor. Nine, mo- nine months, Seb. It's That's nine months? Since last, about August. Holy smokes. And it still looks good, doesn't it? Holy smokes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, you look very dignified. You look Van Goish. Van Goish, thank you. Yes, Van Goish. Yes, okay. That, that's it for the show this week. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> okay, it's my turn, right? Okay, so uh, I'm going to show you this book, Zeb. I'm going to take this story from this book called Cowboys, Mountain Men, and Grizzly Bears. And we're going to talk about grizzly bears. I don't today. like grizzly bears. I'm, you know, that's one thing I always fear. When I'm up in the woods, up in the North Country. Oh, yeah. I am a little tentative about bears. Well, I've gone elk and deer hunting in places, and luckily I've never run into any bears. Really? I've never hunted them, and I've never, I really have no desire to hunt bear, actually. Does it give you kind of an insecure feeling like it would me, especially me, a guy on crutches, that they're standing there leaning up against a tree salivating? (laughs) Yeah, and looking at you. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. So this... So today I'm going to talk about a guy named Captain Jedediah Smith, and oh, he's well known. Sure. You know, uh, so in 1824 he was on his second westward expe- uh, expedition. Now, the story I'm going to tell, we're going to kind of throw in some ad libs that we really don't know what was said, but we're going to kind of say it anyway. So, folks, this is uh, some facts uh, intermingled with uh, kind of some. Um, uh, Ad libbing. We think they margin, may have. We're going to marginalize the truth. No, we're just going to say a few things that <laughs> will describe things better. How's okay, that? Yeah. All right. So picture this. It had been a long day of walking and riding following the Cheyenne South Fork River. And they were carefully skirting the low and painfully prickly pear cactus along the, out in the prairie. And this small band of explorers and free trappers led by Captain Jedediah Smith. And he was a man known for getting up early, uh, not eating much. He had slipped into... Uh, uh, he was just life on the trail. He, he was just a good good guy on the trail. But the men trudged along, leading their horses through the low, sparse uh, growth, and their horses would occasionally sniff the air. Now, you know, you've been around horses enough, Zeb, when you watch a horse's ears and, and, and where he's kind of sniffing, you know, because yeah. he can tell you things that you don't know. That's right. So, so daylight would leave them in a few hours. It was starting to get dark, and the group pushed through a thicket of scrub growth, saplings on the way to the river, uh, still a mile or more away, and that's where they planned on spending the night. Well, with no warning, a massive brown streak burst from the midst of the thicket, 
It was a huge grizzly, and this bawling roar, uh, (laughs) here he come, he was uh, snapping his jaws. You know, you can just imagine the horror. No, I can't, because I wouldn't have been there. (laughs) I'd have been there. So the horses jerked free. They reared up. They were slashing the air with their hooves, and they took off. The horses took off. So the bear burst upon the line of men uh, at their middle, scaring all of them, obviously, before bolting straight for the head of the line, mm. and it leaped at Captain Jedediah Smith, grabbed the startling young man by the head, and dragged him down. The bear did? Yeah. Now, as their leader thrashed on the ground, shouting and twisting under this bawling beast, the men were, they were kind of immobilized for the, uh, they didn't know what to do. So the bear had him by the head in his jaws? Yeah. So. This doesn't bode well. No. Uh, so they were kind of in shock watching this. Uh, anyway, four of them had their long guns poised, ready for a shot at the at the bear. But with Smith rolling about with the beast on top of him, and then he was on top of it. Uh, a clear shot at the bear seemed impossible. So, you know, you didn't want to just shoot blindly and maybe hit Captain Smith. But something had to be done. Okay. Well, now that's got to be the dumbest statement I ever heard. <laughs> Something had to be done. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. Jim Kleiman. Now, he was second in, in uh, command because of his age and experience, and he yelled, we think, don't shoot the captain. Uh huh. I suppose he would say. Now, that's that. pretty obvious. Yeah. And he charged at this mass of bear and men and man, yelling and waving his arms, probably. And by that time, the bear had turned its attention to Smith's unguarded belly, where its biting jaws snapped ribs and even the steel of Smith's long knife. Oh, bit the knife in half. Are you kidding me? And this is the same guy that had his head in the jaws? Yeah, right. So the other men followed Kleiman and moved in closer. Now they were able to start shooting volley after volley of lead ball until finally the bear died, leaving a pretty grisly, bloody, messy uh, scene. Okay. Now several of the men quickly reloaded their rifles because... Uh, you know, sometimes bears, you might think they're dead until you get up close, and they may not be. Yeah, but see, there's the difference between you and me. We'd have been gone. I ain't getting up close. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thought was, okay, maybe there's some other bears around in this undergrowth. Oh, my. So they made sure their guns were loaded. Yeah. Now, the two youngest men were sent out uh, after the horses after the, that had bolted, and the rest of the men huddled about their leader, who was sprawled on this uh, scrubby growth uh, of this little clearing. Now, Smith's head was a uh, glistening knob of blood and bone. You sure are enchanting before lunch. That's why I slowed down, so you get this. Uh, The scalp had been peeled back as if it were the lid on a vessel. It swung from the right side of his head, attached now only by a hinge of skin and hair. His face was sagged, and his left one eyebrow was torn away. His left ear dangled by the merest flap of skin. With bleeding hands, Smith lightly touched his glistening scalp, his skull, and the ear. Did they call him Humpty? (laughs) Can you imagine this? He's reaching up, touching his skull, where the scalp was. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Now, his midsection fared a little better. Uh, though his belly and his chest were slashed and torn, uh, his he had some snapped ribs, which you've probably had cracked ribs. Many and, times. And breathing is just excruciating. Yeah. 
Well, the it's men, harder when you got a 500-pound bear yeah, on you. Yeah, sitting on you. <laughs> uh, well, the men gathered around, staring down at him, not knowing what to do. So, you know, if it was a snake bite, they'd know how to make a poultice to dry out the poison. Uh, if it was a snapped or broken leg, it could be splinted. But a man freshly mauled by a grizzly and one as fearsome as this dead bear at their feet was a problem uh, outside their experience. They were at a loss what to do. Well, they, didn't they try to sew him up? Well, we're getting to that. Well, hurry up. <laughs> well, I've, i got <laughs> to lead up to it. bleeding, for heaven's sake. i got to lead up to it. So their captain not only still breathed, I mean, they may, probably thought he was dead. Okay, but he was still breathing. He stared back up at them, and it almost seemed like he was about to speak, and they bent a little closer, and uh, Smith held his head in his hands through clenched teeth. He said, quote, two men, get to the river, bring some water, help me sit up now, and someone get me my spare shirt to stop the blood flow. We think that's what he said. Now, these men were men of action. One tough cookie. Now, they charged uh, charged with these tasks. They were uh, relieved to be useful to do something. And when they had Smith leaning upright against the nearest solid, solid object at hand, which was the dared, dead bear's broad back, so he was leaning up against the bear. Leaned up against yeah. the dead bear? Yeah. I don't think so. So Smith motioned with a carved finger uh, to Jim Kleiman to bend closer. And this is what we think he said, Jim, I need you to take a needle and thread and sew my scalp back in place. I'll bet that's what Cut he said. Cut the hair away so you can see what you're doing. <laughs> now, I'm assuming uh, Kleiman uh, was a little bit in shock and probably said, uh, Captain, I'm not a doctor. You think? And uh, as if to prove it, he probably showed these trembling hands. You know, you don't want a surgeon with trembling hands. And Smith probably said something, Jim, you're the guy to do this. You need to, you know, buck up. You're going to do this. So this slim older man swallowed, nodded once, and headed to to his gear for some scissors, needle, and thread. And um, one of the guys said, wouldn't you like a taste of whiskey, Captain? Might help the pain. Well, Jed Smith looked up at one of his crew, a well-meaning trapper named Evans, and said, uh, quote, thank you, no, you know I don't drink liquor, Eli, but you go ahead if it'll make you feel better. But there's a time and a place for everything. <laughs> That's one thing about Smith. He did not drink. He didn't drink. But like I said, under these circumstances, you know, it would have helped against for, the infection. For medicinal purposes. You got it. Yeah, well, the young man nodded, and then he said, well, what about your Bible, Captain? He was a Bible-reading person, read the Bible every day. And uh, he said, well, thank you, Eli. That would probably be most welcome. So uh, the young man went and got his Bible, I guess, just to hold uh, in his hand. How can uh, he interesting. read with his eyes like that? Well, he, he had one eye still good. Uh, probably just to hold it, you know. You're encouraging, you know that? <laughs> yeah. So Kleiman comes back. He's got scissors, and he cuts away the captain's hair as best he could, uh, asking another man to support the scalp as he did so. <laughs> Here, hold his head on. Hold, hold this half of his he- top of his head. Well, uh, Smith said for some of the men to go ahead to the river, set up camp. And he says, I'm afraid we're going to be here for a few days. I suspect, uh, he says, I'll probably feel a little poorly tomorrow. Uh, this is Smith. And with that, half the group broke off. They rearranged the gear on their horses and headed for the river. And so now you have a cluster of men headed over to the river to set up camp. Now, wait a minute. How did they get him over there? Well, we're getting to that, too. Well, hurry. (laughs) 
So climbing, <laughs> and you're going to love this, he picked bits of twi- twigs and grass from the matted scalp and the glistening head and he used some of the river water to wash the wound, which I'm sure was perfectly clean, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Smith probably said, come on, let's get on with this. And uh, Kleiman probably said, no, don't rush me, Captain. I'm new at this, you know. But Jim ran the thread tight, and uh, and then he probably said to the other men, uh, get prepared to hold him down because this is going to hurt like the devil. That's what he said, That's I'm sure. probably what yeah, he said. absolutely. And uh, Jed probably said, you know, can't be any worse than what I've already been through. Now get on with it. <laughs> you got me cringing here. <laughs> I know. Well... Uh, poking the thread through the skin, still attached to Smith's head, oh, boy. proved a little more difficult than Kleiman expected. Oh, my God. The, the hide is tougher than you'd think. So uh, to push yeah. a needle through it, you know. Well, Smith sat stock still and as upright as he could, grunting now and again when Kleiman pulled the thread too hard or when the needle failed to pierce the skin easily. And it took the better part of an hour to reattach the captain's scalp to his skull, during which time, to get this up, he barely moved, barely groaned. Uh, uh, Captain, uh, probably, he said, uh, wiping the sweat from his forearm, the ear's too far gone. We don't think we can save your ear. Well, Smith said, sew it on. Do the best you can. Sew my ear back on. And they put it on upside down. (laughs) No. So Kleiman probably said something like, well, I'll do my best. But uh, in truth, he was correct. There was little to be gained by sewing on this mauled ear. And when he was through, is not a pretty thing. He stood back a few feet from Smith and looked at his job. And I guess he approved of what he'd done. And Smith said, well, thanks, Jim. Now, boys, I'll need some help getting on that horse. Someone walk along so I don't fall off. The they put him on a horse? On a horse. Well, he still got a mile or so to get to the river. Well, drag him on a travoy or <laughs> well, something. He said, put me on the horse. Well, the captain looked a little rough. Uh, he'd grown a little chalky, you can imagine. Well, duh. Uh, sweat probably strippled down his forehead, and he was hot to the touch. And Kleiman uh, uh, said, he's getting fever, boys. Uh, time to move. So the three men who remained, in addition to Smith and Kleiman, wasted no time in hoisting the ailing ailing man onto the horse. He groaned, looked close to fainting, but as had been the case throughout the ordeal, he uttered no curses nor complaints. This was a tough guy, Zeb. Well, now that has got to be the biggest understatement I've ever heard. So in expectation of their arrival, the advance party had erected the outfit's one tent, which would now be just for the captain. And when he arrived, they eased him from the saddle, setting up in the tent. And as much care as the rough men were capable, you know, just getting him off. And in 10 days, he'd healed enough, by his estimation, to continue his westward trek uh, toward fresh trapping territory. And of greater importance to Smith, unexplored wilderness. Ten days. Ten days. With broken ribs. Yeah. So old Jed Smith took to wearing his hair long in an attempt to cover up the the braids of (laughs) scarring. What hair? I'm surprised it grew back. Yeah. Well, where it didn't, he just let it hang long, you know, and it dipped over his left eye where his, uh, and over his ear that was kind of a strange looking thing. Well, can you so, imagine? Yeah. I don't know if we've got enough time, Zeb. I've got another story about Osborne Russell, but 
I don't know if we got you, enough. You know, now think about this, though. Okay. Seriously. As you were going through this litany of injuries, today, with all the infections and everything else, if we get a paper cut, everybody runs to put something on it. And then you have these guys from the Mountain Man era mauled and clawed by a bear, and they get sewn up in the most crude way. And, and washed off with river water. And live. Yeah. And went on. You know, uh, so, you know, despite uh, a number of uh, close calls uh, in his eight years of Rome in the West, Captain Smith was not the average hard-living, devil-may-care man of the mountains. He was quiet, not boastful. He preferred his Bible to liquor, tobacco, and swearing. His thirst for exploration was unquenchable and unmatched. Among his many notable experiences in his short life, he died alone, overwhelmed by Comanches in 1831 at age 32. And he was the first white man to blaze a land route to California. Oh, so he got killed by the Indians. Yeah, at at age 32. So this is only like eight years after. Oh, man, he went through a lot. Yeah, but uh, he was a gung-ho explorer and uh, mountain man, trapper, again, one of the tough, tough guys. Did they ever get any pictures or artist's conception of how he looked or anything? I have not seen any. I see. You know, but take a look at the picture on this book. I mean, and you know this happened time and time again with men out by themselves who never lived to tell the tale. Could you have been a mountain man? Seriously. (sighs) Not knowing what I know now with the comforts of home and a warm house and a you know, yeah, but I now, mean, here up, you are, you're walking along a creek, and all of a sudden you uh, put your foot through a beaver dam and break your leg. Yeah. Now, uh, you don't have anybody with you. You're up there trapping in that area all by yourself. Basically, you're toast. Yeah. Your only hope is to hopefully find an Indian village. You yeah, know, but really, how are you, you going to get along on well, a broken leg? That's you know, hope you know if you could make your way to your horse or something and yeah. get to an Indian village, and that happened a number of times where mountain men trappers were injured or whatever, and were able to make it to an Indian village where they were a lot of times cared for for months at a time. They just did. Yeah, you were taking your life into your hands every time you left your home. I've got a short story. I'll look for it. Uh, I got three minutes. Okay, there was a mountain man named Fitzpatrick. He was by himself, stopped to eat some jerky. He got off, tied his horse up, set his gun down, went over and sat on a log. And uh, as he started to eat, all of a sudden a great big old grizzly stood up in front of him. Here we go again. Now, he knew he couldn't get to his horse, but he had heard that if you stand up real tall and look the bear in the eyes, they'll stop. And sure enough, the bear stopped went back down on all fours and started walking away. So Fitzpatrick figured, okay, this is my chance. So he started running towards his horse. The bear turned around and looked and saw him running and started chasing him again. And he thought, well, it worked once. Maybe it'll work again. He stopped, stood up real tall, looked the bear in the eyes, and sure enough, the bear stopped. By now, he was close to his gun, reached over, grabbed his gun, shot the bear. Now, I thought that was a tall tale until I heard of another story where this happened. So, Zeb, next time you're being chased by a bear, just stand up real tall, look him in the eyes. There's a couple of things you're not realizing (laughs) in reality. Number one, fat guys on crutches do not go into where bears might chase them. And neither one of us are very tall. Oh, I was six foot until I had all my accidents, but it doesn't make any difference. I'm not going to stand there and go, rawr, to a bear. I agree. I agree. I'd be running. I'd probably be 
lunch for that bear. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to admit that these guys were brave and tough. Yeah, and to go out by yourself? No. No trapping? No. And, no. You know? No. Anyway. You know, some of these stories make me really cringe, and this one was the most cringeworthy. Well, and I'd heard that story before, but this is the first time I'd kind of got into detail. Let me ask detail. you real quick, and I've only got a minute left. Do you suppose that this story of Jedediah Smith was a compelling force to write that movie, Man in the Wilderness, where they actually left him to die? You're talking about Hugh Glass. Yeah, Hugh Glass, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, um, that's an interesting story as well. That's a whole, you know... Uh, it's quite know, a bit the same, though. Similar, yeah. yes, yeah. But they they left him to die. Yeah, and then all of a sudden and he one walked of which in. Was Jim Bridger? And he walked into camp one day. Well, yeah, it took him. He crawled and made his way. Took yeah. him months and several years, uh, you know, to to get back to the fort. But wow. He, he lived. Yeah. Even after they left him. Interesting story, and they were tough. Ladies and gentlemen, he does it every week. I mean, the man knows all about history. He knows all about bears, and that's Dr. History. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.